So you are confronted with a particular legal problem. You have a particular legal dilemma in front of you and you've consulted uh, legislation. You've gone to see what laws, what statutory laws are out there and you can't find any statutory laws, right? And when there aren't any statutory laws on the issue, there may be something in the common law where it deals with a particular issue. So remember, we spoke about South African common law and we said that this is the unwritten side of South African law. This is the part of South African law that you will not find in legislation. And when we spoke about the history of the law, we explained that the common law is mainly the Roman Dutch law that we've inherited as developed by our courts. So if you're confronted with a particular issue and there isn't legislation, you can also look at what the common law says, which is what did the um, ancient uh, 17th and 18th century Roman Dutch jurists say on the, on the particular issue, and how have our courts interpreted the jurist legal position on the particular issues. So an important provision of the Constitution that we've I've spoken about just previously is Section 39.2 of the Constitution, and that particular provision is important. It's found in the Bill of Rights because it states that the courts must develop the common law to promote the spirit and put an object of the Bill of Rights right where this is needed. So there is this positive obligation that the Constitution places on our courts. If the court is confronted with the law and the law does not reflect the spirit to put an object of the Bill of Rights, it does not reflect the values of the Bill of Rights, then the courts must, because of the legal obligation imposed on them under Section 39.2, develop our common law so as to reflect those values that we find in our Bill of Rights. And an example in which the court did do so, the Constitutional Court, in fact, used Section 39.2 to develop the common law, was in the case of rape. So we have the Masia case that was before the Constitutional Court. And under our Roman Dutch law and under our common law, rape was defined as where the male inserts his penis into the vagina. And so what happened in Masia is that you had this young child who was raped by a man, but she was, he had used his penis and he had penetrated her anus. And because of this, he couldn't be convicted of rape. So the question was whether the court should develop the common law to include a situation where a male sodomizes a female and that would also be considered rape. And so in this particular case, the constitutional court said that there was an obligation on them to develop the common law because sodomy was just as traumatic as what rape would be. And because of that, the court developed the common law so that the common law now included vaginal penetration as rape by a man for a woman through with his penis as well as anal penetration with his penis. And what we see even after this is that the legislator steps in. Remember, if there are gaps in the law, if the law needs to be developed further, we've spoken about how the legislator needs to step in in order to uh, regulate and to pass legislation on an issue where there is a need. And we see this in the context of the common law and the definition of rape, because after the Constitutional Court decided the Messiah case, the legislator went on to enact the Sexual Offences Act. And in the Sexual Offences Act, you will see that there's an extensive definition of rape that you will now find in the Sexual Offences Act. So it doesn't only include penetration with a penis, it can be an object, and it doesn't only include the possibility of a man raping a woman. Any individual can rape another individual under the definition in the Sexual Offences Act that we now 
have. But for purposes of explanation, what I'm trying to convey to you is that we had the common law and we had a narrow definition of rape. And the court was confronted with specific facts where this grown man who raped this, I think, nine-year-old girl would not be convicted of rape because the definition of rape under the common law did not include anal penetration. And in that, that instance, the Constitutional Court recognized that Section 39.2 placed an obligation on them to develop the definition of rape, to develop the common law so that it would align with the spirit and put and objects of the Bill of Rights, which includes that little girl's right to dignity, which includes that little girl's right to freedom and security of the person. So the classic case on the development of the common law that you will confront throughout your studies and you'll definitely uh, um, confront when you open up your books insofar as the law of delict is concerned is the Carmichael case. And this case is significant because of the extent in which it developed the common law. So in this particular case, what happened is that we had Ms. Carmichael and she brought the case against the Minister of Safety and Security and against the Minister of Justice because she was of the view that the police and the prosecutor in a particular matter had wronged her and wanted to claim damages from the Minister of Safety and Security and the Minister of Justice. And what happened in Ms. Carmichael's case was that Ms. Carmichael had been raped by a man. And after having been raped by this man, she found out that this man had been accused of raping another person and that he was out on bail for the rape of this under, another, other individual until he was going to be brought to trial. But what Ms. Carmichael also found out was that this man who was accused of rape had previous convictions which were relevant to the decision of whether or not the court should grant him bail. And the prosecutor in this instance simply allowed the court to grant him bail and the prosecutor did not bring these previous convictions before the court. So the prosecutor failed to flag to the with the presiding officer the fact that the accused was previously uh, convicted for similar offences and there would be a likelihood that he would go on to commit these offences again. So now we find himself released on bail and he ends up raping Ms. Carmichael and she wants to obtain damages from the Minister of Safety and Security and from the Minister of Justice. So she wants money from the state to compensate her for the trauma and for the what she had to go through as a result of being raped by this man. And in the law at the time, the law of dealing, the law considering when you go about getting damages from someone else, right, damages from the state, the law of delict did not allow for a situation where a prosecutor and police officers fail to protect someone. The law in those instances did not allow for that person to be able to claim damages from the state because of the failure of the police and because of the failure of the prosecuting authority to protect Ms. Carmichael from her would-be rapist. So ultimately what happened was the High Court and the Supreme Court of Appeal failed to, de to develop the common law, did not take Section 39.2 and the responsibility to, de to develop the common law, did not follow that responsibility and failed to develop the common law. And the matter comes before the Constitutional Court, right? And the Constitutional Court has to decide whether or not they need to develop the common law concept of wrongfulness. So wrongfulness is a concept that you will find in delict 
And it's one of the requirements that needs to be established under the law in order to hold someone responsible for committing a delict and in order to order damages and to claim damages from them, right? So in this instance, the Constitutional Court concluded that the law should be extended to include situations where the police and the National Prosecuting Authority fail to protect someone against the uh, danger of an accused person committing a similar or the same crime against that victim. So what we see now is we see that the, the common law and the concept of wrongfulness under delict has been extended by the state, right? And in the course of the judgment, the Constitutional Court brings out the right to equality, right? The right to equality on the basis of the sexes, right? We all know the levels of violence that is committed against women and sexual violence committed against women in the country. And the Constitutional Court speaks about this woman, Ms. Carmichael's right to dignity. And the Constitutional Court taking all of Ms. Carmichael's rights into consideration, constitutional rights into consideration, fundamental human rights. The court says that because of this, the court was compelled under Section 39.2 to develop the wrongfulness concept under the law of delict to allow Ms. Kamishal to claim those damages. And ultimately, because of the Kamishal judgment, we now know that all prosecutors in this country and all police officers in this country are under a legal obligation to protect victims where there's the potential threat that an accused person can harm them. Right, especially where this person um, is likely to have, especially where this person has committed these types of offenses previously. So now prosecutors need to be more diligent when they are dealing with a situation of whether or not the court should grant bail. Prosecutors need to flag certain information before the court and they need to do their jobs in a manner that they recognize their responsibility to protect would-be victims from harm.